is still in Spain. I still have Brad with me. Hey. Hi. So I was wondering on my drive over here, how long have we known each other? I I think the answer is... So my first memory of you is actually very clear in my head. Okay. Um, but it actually doesn't really involve you. I just have a very vivid memory of after you all had, had Bess. Okay. And I guess Tom or Lee just pointed it out in the middle of a church service. And it was like, Brad and Molly are here with their brand new baby, Bess. Well, that's awesome. And y'all were, y'all were in the back and Bess was in a car seat. That's what I remember. Yeah, my so first that'd memory. be 2010. 2010. It's my first memory of you. Yeah. And we, so we moved back here in 07. Were you coming to Triple C in 07? Uh, I would have been being dropped off by my parents on their way to church. So yes. Yeah. And I didn't say this just to point out the generational gap between us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Age. Well, here I am. <laughs> here I am. I'm a youth. Yeah, because when I, I think, uh, like, my first memories, some of my first memories of you would be, like, doing choir together. Yeah. You know? That makes sense. Yeah. And some of the, uh, I guess, you know, definitely when you were doing your internship with us, mm. you were way on my radar then. But I just remember goofing off with you in, in choir and yeah. being silly. Yeah, that's, you, me, and Gary. Yeah. The tenors. That's what I remembered. Yeah. Um, from when I was thinking about it. Well, I think my most obvious memory with you comes at my own expense. Do you know what I'm talking I, about? I, I, I'm really bad at remembering this, but I'm already grinning. You I, anticipating it. Do you think I brush my teeth with wine? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> That's the one that I remember oh, the, the most vividly. We may have vividly. to pause the podcast because we're going to be giggling about this. <laughs> Do you want to tell the story? No, I want it from your perspective okay. because it is, it is arguably like retroactively the most embarrassing moment of my life. <laughs> Like in the moment, I was just mad, but like when I got like 20 minutes away from it, I was so embarrassed for it's, myself. It's it's a defining moment, and I cannot believe I forgot about it. Okay, so we're in Chicago. Yes. Do you know what year this was? I how, think how it was. Old were you? I think it was. I mean, too old. I think it was like 2017, probably or okay. 16. It was. It was a spring trip, either 16, 17, 18, something like that. Yeah. So we, but you could drink then. So you were at least 21. Yeah. I, I mean, I was, I was probably 23 or 24. Yeah. Again, too old. Okay. So we were in Chicago and we did the bridge and we're doing the day where we walk around Chicago and do stuff. And Matt always took us up to the top of one of these big, tall buildings. Yeah. But we didn't go to the observation deck because that costs money. We would right. go to the bar up there. So the observation deck of the John Hancock tower right. was 96th floor. There's a bar on the 95th floor that's free. Just as pay great 20 bucks to go to the observation deck. Yeah, just as great of you, but you could also have a drink and get yes. some nachos. Yes. Right? So we did that. And we're coming back down, and we're in this elevator that's this speedy elevator that goes down, and you have to wait for it, and there's all this kind of stuff. And we get in there, and we're in there with some other people. And packed. I remember it being shoulder to shoulder. It yeah, was it was very, it was very tight. He's and St- uh, uh, Thomas is right up next to this guy, and he realizes this guy is French. And Thomas, as this you know young guy who's exploring what adult life can be and stuff, he's got an appreciation for wine. And he asked this French guy. He goes, "Oh, you're French. Do you like wine?" I'm sorry. I'm giggling. I got to gather myself for this. And this French guy, I mean, he does not waste a second. The, the thing I remember vividly, which maybe I made this up, but in my head, <laughs> he cracked his neck <laughs> to both sides before this happened. That's right. Like he's, like he's stretching out. And he whips around, 
and he looks at Thomas, this this innocent, doe-eyed young man without the wealth of experience that he's gained in those four or five years. And he looks at him and he says, oh, because I'm French, I like wine. Should I do the racist accent? No. <laughs> I shouldn't. It's just, you know, because I'm French, I like wine. What, do you... Do you think I wake up in the morning and drink wine with my breakfast? Do you, do you think I, do I brush my teeth with wine? <laughs> and it, I mean, like, it was one of those things where I, I did not want to be in this conversation. No, this no. guy addressed There's no me. Winning. There's no winning. No, I, I'm like, I'm on a crowded elevator. I just want to, I mean, it's like a, for 96 floors, it's a fast ride. I'm like, we're just getting down the thing and we're getting out and I'm with my friends again. And this dude starts speaking to me. Like, and he was like, Oh, where are you from? And I said, Tennessee. Oh, he started. He yeah, started. yeah. Oh, and, okay. I didn't and know. And I said, know Where that. are you from? And he said, France. And you could hear it very clearly. Yes, and he was French. I, I, this had to be 2017 because I was really into like wine documentaries okay. and learning how yep. to produce wine, yep. everything. Yeah. That's why this happened. Yeah. And you I was perfect. so into it. You're like, it. Oh, this guy may know something that I can learn from. And I just thought, you know what? But it was such a trope and so stereotypical, and it was yeah. just unkind in and retrospect. He, he jumped down your throat. Oh, with he, feet. he. And <laughs> I saw him in the lobby afterwards, talking to the business people that he was there with, and telling the story. Oh yeah, and he, we. I had to walk by that. Yeah, I was. Yeah. It oh, was fantastic. Gosh. And then, of course, we for the rest of the trip and for many weeks after, would be like, anytime, <laughs> anytime Thomas or or anybody would ask, you know, do you like, uh, do you like. Breakfast cereal? You're like, oh, you think I eat breakfast cereal for breakfast? Do I brush my teeth with breakfast cereal? <laughs> it is so bad. I've never been. Oh my oh gosh. Oh my goodness. That was oh, the. Thank you for bringing that up. Well, like, I'll never forget getting off that and walking out. And I was heated because I literally, in my head, oh, yeah. I was just trying to be kind. Yeah. I was just like, you started this. I wanted to, I wanted to meet you on your level. And you got slapped by a wet fish. Oh, I got like, destroyed. <laughs> And I, I remember turning to Lee, and I was just like scowling. I was so embarrassed and so mad. And I was like, what does that guy think he's doing? Like, I was just trying to be nice. And Lee was like, dude, you stereotyped him so hard. <laughs> and I was like, oh. But it was one of the greatest, it was the greatest gift you've ever given me <laughs> until your beautiful, beautiful son was born. And he is a beautiful boy. But that, I just those two to... things are the greatest things you've ever created. I want to keep dude. him from a moment and... like that. <laughs> Dude, no. I can't wait to tell him the story and say, when you have this opportunity, when you're on the elevator with a, a gentleman from France, oh, yeah, he just, man. Do we need to pause the recording so we can get just emotionally to... in a good place? To... Somewhere out there, this guy is just listening to this show maybe and laughing so hard. It. And maybe what he needs is some wisdom from the scriptures. Uh, maybe. That's a, a great transition. Thank this is Ancient New, yeah. a Bible study podcast where... Typically, it's not I who gets roasted on here. It's one of our <laughs> friends who listens. But there you go, Rob, Austin, and Jeffrey, who's never been roasted on here. That's a, We have a group text with Rob Logan, our friend Austin White. Austin gets, gets it the most. Jeff Mason, who is the biggest instigator in the world, just he lobs grenades and walks away. And Lee, and it, I mean thankful they keep coming back to the well knowing that it's going to happen. But. And I was thinking about uh, the people who may be listening to this who were on that trip and who just got to walk through it. Yeah, they just needed again. they needed the memory. Yeah. Matt King just, I mean, 
Oh, he's probably he'd probably been longing for that for years. Oh, I, I'm for so me. glad I remembered it. Yeah. Well, psh, whatever. Okay. I guess we'll read the Bible now. <laughs> <laughs> John 15. Uh, Let's do it. I'm just joking because that would be obviously about grapes. Uh, oh, that's so <laughs> funny. I'm going to be in Psalm uh, 134. Actually, um, I read from the Psalms of Ascent a few weeks ago on this show. And I'm going to read there again. And this is the, the shortest Psalm in the Bible. And I'm going to make a bit of a jump and just hold your nose. Cause I don't know that it's, I don't know. It's we'll, going to we'll be stretching it, it a little bit. I want to say that this is written specifically for like, it, it tells who it's written for. It tells them what to do and it gets out really quick, which I think is really cool. It's just, about certain people who do a certain thing. And I don't know, like, it's so interesting because this is one of the Psalms of Ascent. So, like, if I'm, and you can help me out here, I could be wrong about this, but if I'm remembering correctly, these were written and recited specifically on any pilgrimage to Jerusalem. That's right. Yeah, so three times a year, correct? There are festivals where all the Jewish people congregate in Jerusalem. And because it was uphill on their journey up to the city, they would go through this, specific stretch of Psalms. Um, and this one was so, it's so interesting to me because it's very clearly written for specific people, but it's included in that. So it must've been recited by them. And I don't know, someone smarter than me could probably correct me on that, but I think it's really cool. And I wanted to talk about it and just to like, I want to like, I'm thankful you, you were vulnerable on the last week's episode about having a hard season of life. And, um, this is, it's been a hard stretch as well in my life. And this kind of met me where I was, which I was thankful for it. So it says, uh, praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who minister by night in the house of the Lord. So I, I think it's talking specifically to people who like work in the house of the Lord at nighttime. So they're like nighttime ministers. I don't know what that even means. Yeah. That's like the people at, at JPL who are there at two in the morning. Cause the rovers driving around on Mars time. Okay. Yeah. And they're just like in this quiet. I had no place. idea what you were saying. And oh, now sorry. it makes sense. Jet JPL. Lab. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't know what that Super meant. Super nerd. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. I didn't know that's what that meant. Uh, I'll, I'll start over. Praise the Lord. All you servants of the Lord who minister by night in the house of the Lord, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. He who is the maker of heaven and earth. And that's it. You get three verses. And part of me is like, did I read this one the other day? No, I didn't do this psalm the other day. Maybe I did do this psalm. No, I did 131, which is also three verses, but just a oh, tiny I love, bit longer. I, I was it. like, dang, I know I did a three-verse psalm. Um, but I, I, like, I, I work for a church and do youth ministry, and sometimes I'm up here at night. But I, one thing I did realize is uh, there are times in my life that it does feel super dark. And this is specifically talking to people who are working in the dark at the church. And I don't know what their jobs even looked like. I don't know if it was cleaning. I don't know if it was waiting on people to show up in the middle of the night. I have no idea. It had to be a bit of a humble thing. Yes. There, this isn't spotlight work. Mm. Exactly. Right. So it's, a, it's a, a job that is not where you're the center of attention, which I think is really cool. Um, there's always been a, a deep desire in me to be a monk-like person somewhere who is just humbly doing their thing. Um, but anyways, I was just thinking about this in a season of life that has felt dark at times. So I'm making a bit of a, like a metaphorical leap there instead of being someone who is working at church in the middle of the dark. Um, 
someone who works for a church in the middle of the dark is kind of what I'm doing. And I'll allow it. Thank you. Uh, so I, I'm not going to directly say that this is applying to my life, but there's a thing that I took out of this, which was just the idea of lifting up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Um, so who, here you have people who at the time were, and I love that you said this, it, it actually made it a lot more clear, who were working in a very humble way at night where they're not seen. And this is directing them very clearly in the middle of that, whatever it is, whether you're sweeping the floor, whether you're doing whatever it is where you're just sitting and reading, whatever it is, whatever thing is going on, take time and lift up your hands and praise the Lord. And I think for them, part of me is like, I'm a little bit jealous because you're directed that and nobody's seen it. And also I'm embarrassed that those just came out of my mouth. Um, I come from a church background where that wasn't super a thing. You like, it, like somehow I was taught, no one directly said this to me, but like praising the Lord was your own thing and you did it quietly and nobody has to see you do it. And I don't think this is saying that you should do this in a sense that everybody can see you. I think it's saying the exact opposite. Like, Hey, you people who are not seen do this, but there, I want to be in a place in my life where I don't, I don't really care. If you, if you see me, if you walk in on Sunday morning, I don't want to be ashamed about however I'm worshiping the Lord, but also in metaphorically speaking in a season of my life that feels like I am doing ministry at night, not because of my job, not whatever. It just feels like things are dark around me. Things I'm going through, things that are happening, uh, in my life. I still want to be at a place where I'm going to, I'm going to put my hands up and I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to find things to praise him for. Um, I'm going to find, cause they're there. There's a lot of them and it, it, it feels like it requires a little bit more searching in the dark. Um, and it requires a lot of intentionality. I feel like it's easy to praise the Lord when things are going great, when things are awesome and the spotlight is on you and you have, uh, a lot of things that you can check off your list and say like, here's all the ways the Lord has been awesome to me. And I'm bright and smiley. Everything's going great all the time everywhere. And maybe I'm crazy, but I think that's true. I think it's really easy to look at the Lord and say, Hey, thank you for all this. It's amazing. I want to praise you for it. But in seasons where it's dark, when it feels like you're doing things in the middle of the night, um, metaphorically speaking, it can be hard and you have to work really hard to find them. And I know in my experience, when I can get to a place where I can, take a breath and realize this is what's going on. Like, it's not great. It's not fun. This is where the Lord has me for whatever reason, just like these people who are doing this. It's where the Lord had them. I don't know that their heart would have been like, put me on the stage. I want to be the high priest for the year who everybody knows by name. I want to be whatever. Um, but it's where the Lord had them and the, their direct objective is to raise their hands and praise the Lord. And that's where I want to be. I want to be at a place where I can say, okay, this is where the Lord has me for worse or for better. It is for better in my mind. It's not always that way, but I know that it is. And I still want to get to a place where I can work hard and search for things to praise him for. Because in my experience, when I do that, I like it changes my posture. It brings some light into dark places. That's what no, I like that. And honestly, I I'm over here thinking like, okay, what am I going to say? this and uh and all i can think is what what you just brought out of that reinforces something for me that i stumbled across recently that was hard mm. so like 
like I said last time, I've been going through the Psalms as I've been going yeah. through this difficult thing and trying to find, you know, what is it? What's God telling me in all yeah. this? You yeah, know, yeah. and <clears throat> one of the, one of the things I found was like, you know, um, He takes care of His people. Mm. You know, and yeah. so I can rely on that. And one of the things I found through that and through you know really worship service one Sunday was like, I'm not in trouble. Mm. You know, because God doesn't have me in trouble. I'm not going through this because I'm in trouble. But then one morning I woke up and I pop up my phone. And the first thing I did, because I'm trying to be disciplined about it, is I pull up the Psalms and I go to the next one. And it just starts, it's one of the ones in the 90s or something. And it just starts with like, praise the Lord. Mm. And I was like, and, and the, the whole Psalm was just that. Hey, you guys should you guys should praise the Lord. Right. Hey, you should shout to him. You should clang cymbals, whatever it was. Mm. You, know? you, should, you should praise the Lord. And there was nothing else in there. There's no little tagline about him helping the desperate or anything. Like that. Right, right. So it was like, okay, so all you, let me get this clear, Lord. All you have to say to me today is praise the Lord. Right. And the message I felt in my heart was, oh yeah. Yeah. That's your job today, buddy. Mm. Hey, little buddy. Yeah. That's your job today. Yeah. And I, I love that because uh, I feel just reinforced in that, in that somewhere in our struggles, one of the answers is praise the Lord. Mm. And, even when we aren't feeling it, even yeah. when we're not sure what we're praising him for, uh, you know, we praise the Lord. And, I love that. And I, this, this, you're a nature guy. You'll love this. Like yes. one of the things that has helped me through this last period of time is looking up and seeing the beautiful blue skies against mm. the bright green leaves of the trees around us, yeah. and just remembering that we live in this beautiful world. Mm. And so maybe some of this, maybe some of this call to praise the Lord is just a call to remember that what we're focused on is just one part of mm. the life that we have. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. That's cool. I, something came into my head in the middle of that and I forgot it. So that I was going to share. Wasn't meant to be. It was not meant to be. It might've been heretical. It may have been heretical. And the Lord <laughs> saved me from heresies. Oh, from, from here, from the threes of people who listen to the show <laughs> would have been like, man, that guy's heretical. The Lord protected me. Where are you taking us? Uh, so this is a little complicated. Bring it. But bear with me. Okay. Complications. Um, I'm stealing a lot of this from an idea that the great Eric Schneider uh, gave Love to it. us on Sunday morning yeah. in community group. Um, he was talking about he's he's going to officiate a wedding um, this weekend. And he, so he was had that on his brain, and he was thinking about stuff. And But he started in Genesis chapter 3 um, with the, the fall, right? Okay. So... Um, the autumn, like the leaves are turning. No, colors? not that fall. Oh, oh, the, the fall. fall. Oh, okay. Capital F. I'm, I'm, what kind of Christian am I? Yeah. Um, so here we are. God had told Adam, "You can eat all this stuff. Everything here is great. This garden's amazing. You're gonna love it. Don't eat from the tree of the fruit of good and evil, mm, yeah. right? or the knowledge of good and evil." Uh, he told him that before Eve was made. Adam passed on that word to her. Um, and then this thing comes. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat from, eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. 
When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then both of them, their eyes were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves and pretty much ruined everything for all the rest of us yeah. forever and ever. Um, although if they hadn't, one of us would have, right? Yeah. Um, so the key thing I want to focus on is her husband, who was with her, mm-hmm. right? So it wasn't like she was in isolation and did this thing and then came home and snuck it into his breakfast, right? He was there the whole time. So um, I want to talk about Adam this morning, or this morning. It is still morning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, like, what was the sin that was there? Mm-hmm. You can answer if you want to. I would say passivity. How would you say it? Yeah, and I would say that they chose not to believe God. Right. Oh, right. that's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. even deeper. They Man. they chose not to believe God. The serpent said, is that really the truth? Mm. And they were like, you know what? I'll just do what I want to do instead. Yeah. I've got this one, right? That's what I've always thought about. Like, there's the sin. Of- that feels like the definition of sin, right? Like, right, yeah. God says a thing, but I'm going to do it my way. Yeah, it's yeah. the the binary that C.S. Lewis talks about, about every decision we have is a God, not God decision, mm. you know? Wow. Yeah. Um, Sheesh. and it, there, that it seems somewhat distasteful to people who love their freedom or whatever. But, mm. uh, if you think about it, there's only one way to live a good life and there's only one source of life, right? Mm. So when we yeah. turn away from him, that's sin, it breaks. Um, but what I've been thinking about this week is, uh, What was Adam's, what did Adam, how did Adam treat his wife here, right? We're both married. We care about that sort of thing. We want to be good husbands. So Adam sinned against God in the garden. He also sinned against his wife. Mm. Um, And this may be stretching it, but I see him standing there and she's got the fruit in her hand. Yeah. And she eats it first. And he was kind of willing to let her die Hmm. to see what would happen. Yeah. Okay. And that may be, I may have to apologize to him one day in heaven if I ever meet him in heaven, right? About that. Cause I no, but it seems super clear, right? Like, yeah, you you may eat any fruit from the garden, but not this one, because if you touch it, you're going to die. Like that seems really clear to me. Sorry. So he, no, it's great. So he, he is standing there with her Mm -hmm. And he's watching her take a bite, and he's leaning in, thinking, she's either going to die, or she's going to get some kind of superpower that I don't have. Right. And then I'll make my choice. Right. So I feel like, like it's, it's kind of diabolical, yeah. if you think about it. But yeah. he's standing there, and he's saying, you take the hit, not me. Mm. And I think, how many times in my life has that, is that a sin that I'm committing? Yeah. You know? Yeah. You do the hard thing. So I don't have to. Right. Or, you know, sometimes, so many times with, with my kids, it's like, Hey, will you clean up those dishes? And like, well, that one's not mine. Right. You know? Yeah. Like I shouldn't have to take the hit for somebody else. Right. Right. They did that. Mm. Um, but yeah, there we are. So, so in the garden, Adam sinned against God and their doing, he destroyed himself. Mm. Right. Cause he cut himself off from the way and from the source. Right. But he also sinned against Eve. Hmm. Okay, and right after that, we get this the curse when when God lays down the curse later in in chapter three. Um, this is the first time that Jesus is prophesied 
in the mm. Bible because it says that Eve's descendant will crush the head of the serpent, right? And I do think there'll be like this moment somewhere in post history, maybe. I mean, you know, like there's prehistory, there's the history, yeah, yeah. and there's post history. Like the the when Jesus comes back, there'll be a point where he throws the devil into the pit, right? Mm. That moment's going to happen. But Jesus also um, is going to crush the lie mm. that was told. You know, can you trust God? Yeah. Can you really trust God? Like Jesus crushes that lie, and he also provides us a counter to sin. Yeah. Okay. So if we're looking, you and I, about like, how do we be better husbands? Mm-hmm. What do we do? How do we not make this mistake? Um, there's a few things in the New Testament that I, that I, that I have been linked to this for me. Mm-hmm. So the first one is in Matthew 25, when, um, is it Matthew 25? No, Matthew 22. When somebody asks Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Mm-hmm. And Jesus' reply is, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Wow. So there's Adam in the garden, and he breaks both of those things. Hmm. He throws away his love for God in that moment, and he also throws away his love for Eve. Hmm. So he failed to love God, and he failed to love his neighbor right, right there in that moment. Um, and we're left with the question of like, I don't know. It just, it seems like bookends. It seems I'd never put those two things together before. I never mm-hmm. thought like the original sin in the garden is both of those commands were broken, right. you know, but all the law and the prophets is wrapped up in that. It, it seems that there's from this and theologians may tell me differently, but it seems to me that there's only two ways to sin. And most of the time we're doing both at the same time. Mm-hmm. We're sinning against God and we're sinning against other people. Um, so we get the contrast the instruction we're given in Ephesians 5.22 is husbands, love your wives, giving yourself for her, right? And you think, well, Adam didn't do that. Because even if he was intending to break with God in that, he could have gone first. Yeah, He could have taken the hit for her, and he didn't do it, mm. you know? Um, because we're, yeah, it's a, ser- it's a servant thing. Okay. Last thing. I know this is a lot of stuff. Uh, Philippians chapter 2. We have this great poetry that Paul wrote that demonstrates who Jesus is and what he is and Mm -hmm. how he's a servant to us. So he, Jesus demonstrates to us what Adam should have done. Right. And it says, Jesus who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, which was what they were doing. Mm. They were trying to be like God, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And who did he do that for? For us. Yeah. He took the hit for us. Right. So there there it is. God, uh, Jesus on earth, loving God like he should, putting himself under him and then Jesus taking the hit for us mm. you know he's saying I'll, I'll lay down my life I'll take that hit for you not you having to do it mm. you know and yeah. like there he is the first Adam and the second Adam and the second Adam demonstrating to us like this is what this is what you should be like 
Mm. This is who you should be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one last thing. Bring it. <clears throat> Our buddy, um, Andy Morgan. Mm-hmm. He said, he was talking about the image of God on Sunday. And as is typical, he has a different take on things than most people do. Correct. Right? He's just this awesome, unique guy. Um, and what he brought up in, as part of us bearing the image of God is that we have the ability to sacrificially reconcile ourselves to other people. Yeah. So um, we get to take a hit for someone else. And by doing so, we get to set love free. Hmm. And I just think that's amazing. Yeah. And, it, and it's so contrary to what the sin nature is. Yeah. So it's like, is that our choice? Is our choice to say, I'm going to hold back my love from you and let you take the damage? Or am I going to take the damage from you so that I can set love free? Right. And that feels like it ought to be turned into a pop song. That's as cool. Well. Set love At free. End, set love free. Well, I do. I think there's, there's something, uh, there's something to, uh, you said a thing very early on in this and referring to like how it doesn't feel freeing or how it could not feel freeing for somebody to do the things the Lord has asked you to do. It feels restrictive or whatever. And there, I, I often am reminded that like the reason the Lord is asking us to do something, it's, it's not because it's worse for us. It's for our better, right? Like if he if he's asking us not to eat the fruit or whatever, it's not because he doesn't like us. It's because he loves us. And I, just like with what you're saying, of being able to be sacrificial for somebody, it feels so easy for us mathematically and it would make sense to preserve ourselves and to keep ourselves first and foremost. And uh, our math is almost never right when it comes versus the Lord's math. Correct me if I'm wrong. But no, absolutely. You, you, like, in in my experience, I don't know that I've regretted ever putting my wife before myself or putting my friends before myself. And maybe like somebody who is like, I don't know, someone could speak up to that. And I, I think it's just a, a thing I want to inject in my DNA and I wish I could skip all the steps of the opposite. Like I wish I could skip the years of selfishness and all the scrape knees of trying to learn the opposite of that and what it has, you know, what doing against God's will actually does for me. And I wish I could jump ahead to all the things that you're saying and be an expert on it already. I'm glad you're reminding me of it. Yeah. Well, so I'm in the position of having these four little creatures that live in my house that I'm trying to turn plenty kids. We're trying to turn into people. Kids of plenty. Um, And one of the things that I say to them is, and maybe saying it to them helps me learn it too, right? But mm. is that apologizing to someone comes from a position of strength, yeah. not a position of weakness. Like right. You, oh, yeah. You feel like when you're apologizing that you're giving something away. Right. But it's actually a very empowering thing because yes. you're fixing a relationship. Mm. So, like, by apologizing to someone, yeah, you got to be humble, you got to take your lumps, but you're also opening the door for um, having a good relationship with them again. Right, right, right. You know? Yeah. Um, and there's so many things like that. Like, what would, what would my house be like 
if all of them treated each other the way they want to be treated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like yeah. what a, I keep saying to them, like, what a wonderful, right. wonderful place it would right. be to live. Um, and we won't maybe get the benefit of that, but just the same, the idea that I don't have to carry any burden of regret or guilt about how I've treated someone mm. if what I'm doing is trying to sacrificially love them. Right. You know? Yeah, that's um, cool. And then I, but I, and I get to do that because I trust that Jesus has done all of that mm. for me. Right. You know, in, an, in a level of abundance that right. far surpasses anything I can right. give away. Right. You know? So if I, like the kid example, I, I'm, I'm someone who grew up with siblings and, what I've realized with my older sister and me, I don't think she would care that I'm saying this. She, she does not listen to this. She probably doesn't know it exists though. We live eight minutes away from each other. We, I'm all that sounded passive aggressive. It's not, (laughs) I'm going to a good place with this. It was not at all. Um, but what I realized is our, our reservoir of goodwill has grown so much for each other. Now that we're, she's 35 and I'm 28. Uh, you know, like being a, being a seven year old and and her being a 13 year old, you know, both ways, one of us screws up It is the worst possible thing that could possibly happen to the other one. There's no way it wasn't intentional. There's no way it wasn't at me directly. No way it wasn't at her directly. Like it's just as, as dramatic as it possibly could be. And our friendship is ruined for 38 minutes until it's better. But I've realized with age, we have learned like our intentions are almost never at each other. If I screw up, if I drop the ball on something, uh, it wasn't on purpose. It just happened. And where our, we have learned with each other, like, Oh, we love each other and we care about each other and we we're friends. And, uh, that's, that's the case. Like, it's just, it's been a cool thing to learn over time. And I just want to like, you know, I wish I would have skipped the, it's not possible, I guess, as having and having siblings, like you have to go through that stuff to learn it. But, and I, but I wish that wasn't true. And it's the same in my life. Like when I have a sacrificial love for people in my life and I have a, a, a John Gottman thing is reservoir of goodwill. Like it's stored up back there. And I know like, I know that w- when it's full and someone screws up against me, it's such a quick turnaround because I know how they truly feel about me. And um, one of the ways that that gets filled up quickly for me is through what you're describing. And one of the ways that I just specifically in my life and in my marriage, like my wife's reservoir of goodwill is filled up through me sacrificing things and sacrificing myself and being kind and affirming and the things the Lord asks us to do, not the opposite. Right. And I, it always is for the better in my life. When I do what he says, it's always for the better. When I sacrificially love people, it's always for the better when I'm kind, it's always for the better. And just like you said, like when you're describing it amongst with your kids, it's, a position of power in the sense that like for me in my experience uh it's for the better right like i want to be happy at home if i if i am kind and loving and i sacrifice and like set myself aside that works i want to be happy with my sister when i do that it works i want to be happy with my friends when i do that it works when i'm a jerk and selfish and see if the other person will die from the thing they're doing it never works out i don't know yeah, and I think as I, this is this is what I want to lean into for the rest of my life. You know, yeah, yeah. like that's this, that's what I'm getting at. This kind right of this kind of knowledge, like this kind of thing. It's like I I don't 
particularly have great ambitions to uh, like get rid of this particular sin in my life because right. I don't feel like that is the successful path. The mm. successful path is uh, to rather lean into the love, right. you know, the love of God and the right. love of other people. Like if I'm doing that well, won't, won't that make the other thing go away? Right. Won't the rest right. of the sin yeah. fall off? Adding, adding something tends to take the other thing away, which is cool. As opposed to, I'm going to take this away. I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, Yo, yeah. let me add this thing instead of. Yeah, because how? What? What? How? What would Adam have not done? Right. In the garden. Right. He wasn't actively doing right something, but if he was active in his love for God mm. and active in his love for his wife, would that have prevented that moment? Yeah, that's cool. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a really cool thing. Um, and it's just the thing I want to get better at. I want to get mm. better at and better at. And there better you go. At, so that when yeah. I'm an old man, this is what people remember me for. There you go. You know, I love that. I can't wait for old man Brad. You you'll probably know him. I think I will. It, you know, unless I massively hurt your feelings in an elevator. No, <laughs> I feel like middle aged Thomas will know old man Brad. <laughs> I, I, I sure hope so. Gosh, I wonder what that comment would be to you in an elevator. I don't know. I don't want to experience I, I don't it. Know. Yeah. You're not easily offended. I'm not easily stereotyped either, I don't think. No, I don't think you're either. Anyways, that guy deserved to be offended. That wasn't me saying he did It was a great story. It is just, if nothing else, I'm glad it happened because it is such a great story. And for the next few weeks. Do you ever think, when is that going to happen again and what's it going to be? I have had that thought. When's the next time I'm going to be embarrassed because I said something stupid? Uh, No, 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 because that's happened plenty. That's happened plenty. I'm just saying, like, when's it going to be on display in front of 15 people I know and 30 I don't? Like, that's what I want to know. When am I going to be dragged on a stage and embarrassed in front of everybody? We will never let you forget. Uh, I'm Thomas. I'm Brad. This has been Ancient and New.
expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And when I come to die, oh, when I come to die, oh, when I come to die, Give me Jesus And to die is gain Give me Jesus loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord.